Steve asked me what it was. He's like, What's it, what do you mean by exposure? As we're yeah. watching the video, I was like, well, you see how you can't see the difference between Stu's face and the fucking white wall behind him? <laughs> That's exposure. That's exposure. <laughs> yeah. I'm super loud in my headphones. Well, then adjust it. There's a knob. Is there, there a knob? Yeah, yeah. So you're is this, the, is you're this the, the input, of... though? Yeah. Like, I just don't want to hear myself so loud. Um, is it always this loud? I'm just drunk. Volume? Yeah, maybe that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That work. That's way better. Okay. okay, cool, cool. Anyway, so we just jumping right into this. We should fucking jump right into it. it let's, is, let's just get right into it. Let's just it. get right into it, guys. It is uh, jam. Another episode of Jamming with Joe. I'm Stu. I'm Joe. And he's Joe, and that's uh, and we just jam. So this is. Uh, I just got back from San Jose, which is exciting. Hey, can I start off today with something special? How special? A gift. Is it a gift for me? It's a gift for you. Oh my goodness. I never give you anything. No, you don't. What is this? This is for you. Is this a grid hoodie? It's a grid hoodie. Oh my goodness. It is a flex pullover. This Hell is yeah. a champion of course. flex. Oh my God. I was going to wear it in just so you make a comment on it and then give it to you. Yeah, Joe's, in, Joe's not That's in his sweat. typical um, <laughs> model attire. He's actually going to Orange Theory to work out after this. We're going to talk about this. Hell yeah. I'm drinking and he's not. This is dope, buddy. So, uh, cool. <laughs> is this part of our uh, our branded uh, <laughs> yeah. podcast sponsorship? I gotta wear this. You in may these or may not have to wear this <laughs> three times a month. <laughs> you guys will. It, you, this is a podcast. You can't see the really nice pullover, but it'll be July, and I'll be wearing this. And <laughs> it'll in a be ninety-five vlog. degrees, and it's like sweating your ass off. Part of my sponsorship deal with Flex. Um, no, that's dope. Um, well, thank you. But yeah, yeah, so I got back from San Jose. Did a thing um, out there. I was supposed to be out there doing a thing with Cleep on Tuesday, and that got rescheduled because we had a crazy flight schedule. He was in San Diego, so I was just hanging out all day Tuesday. Um, to summarize my San Jose trip, I got to see a client of mine who owns a Muay Thai studio. It was great. Meet up with this kid who came out to my uh, PT first thing. His name's Daniel. He works at NC Fit. Smart dude. Took me to Google. I ate at Google like literally the entire afternoon. Just ate for free at Google. That's sweet. I got a Google badge. They gave me a badge oh, so you could walk around That's there, dude. Dangerous. It was dope. And I think everything's free. Just think of like going in the quick trip and you just open things, but you just take I them just and not pay. It. I'm like stuffing cold brews in my pocket. Like, <laughs> as if, like I don't have any money. Like, I'm just like grabbing. So I'm like, why are there all these homeless people in San Jose? The best part about it is that definitely with one of their algorithms, they like have something in their cameras there that can find people like you. Oh, yeah. And they're all just sitting there at lunch laughing at you. Like it, they're all like – no, look, there's a new guy. Like, we haven't seen him before. How much do you think he'll take? Like, what's the over? <laughs> Check this out. So I get the badge, and they tell me, they say, you have to return the badge. You have to forfeit it before you leave. Do not leave here with the badge. Well, I fucking left with the of badge. Of course you left with the badge. Second comment on the vlog today on YouTube. You're not allowed to leave with the badge. You should have forfeited it, period. Like, not a joke, not someone that I recognize. Like, the second comment on the vlog was someone right. ripping me for keeping that badge. You're like, it's a pretty good chance you're going to get taken down. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know they own YouTube, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> Probably Damn not a great it. idea to be pissing off the people at Google. I did use it in the thumbnail, so... <laughs> probably pretty easy to catch uh but anyway so i did that uh found a dope dispensary that was so, that was amazing that you got to so see cool. these gummies that are in this bag so <laughs> i'm on the plane right and uh this is uh, this did you do anything is, legal while you were there yeah so i yeah i met jason Kalipa, but yeah. whatever anyway um get this i am on the plane on my second leg it's a it's a there's no direct flights from San Jose to Charlotte. So I stop in Dallas-Fort Worth. I've got a 45-minute. I eat some food. I have two beers. 
and I go to get on a plane. I actually ran into one of our clients here, Mark Henderson, on the way back. So hmm. on the, I'd worked the entire time on the first leg from San Jose to Dallas. I was like, I'm going to try to catch some sleep because so it doesn't fuck my whole Friday up right. or Thursday, whatever it was. And um, so I pop one of these edible gummies that I just brought on the plane with me on my carry-on. Nobody fucks with anything in TSA. So I'm eating this thing, and everything's good, and it's kicking, and these are like legit. And I'm like, okay, this would be awesome. It's going to knock me out. I'm just watching a movie. I'm watching – dude, have you seen the Bill Murray documentary? No. You've heard of like all the like the, the urban legends of Bill Murray going places and interacting with people socially, like coming up behind people at a restaurant, grabbing a bunch of their fries, eating them in front of them, and being like, nobody will ever believe you. <laughs> there's all the put in Bill Murray urban legends okay. and there's all we just shows up at college parties starts playing beer pong and hanging out with kids and then just leaves oh I did hear about this so it was a whole somebody said about a happy it was a happy birthday one there was a happy birthday where he one. like came in and he yeah. like sung Same. a guy happy yep. birthday like at a restaurant has and then he's so, like no one's gonna yeah, yeah no one's and he just does all of these events and there's an entire documentary that just got released on the all these mythical things of Bill Murray and whether they're true or not so anyway I'm watching that. I'm zoning out. I'm, I'm pretty fucking high. And um, all of a sudden, this woman taps me on the shoulder. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. And she, I was also editing. So like, I'm watching this thing, and I'm also editing the vlog. Editing going, on edibles. Yeah, I'm editing on edibles. That would have been a better name for the blog. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> you've thought about that. So I'm cutting through all this, and I'm editing and all whatever. My face is obviously on the Final Cut Pro on the screen. And this woman is a seat behind me, but to my right across the aisle. She taps me on the shoulder. She goes, are you him? And I'm looking at the screen thinking she's talking about Bill Murray. Because I'm watching Bill Murray's thing on the screen and I'm <laughs> right. watching my thing. And I'm like, no, ma'am, that's, that's Bill Murray. And she goes, no, you're him. And she's pointing to my laptop. And I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, that's, that's me. And she's like, I watch you every day. And I'm like, this, this woman, she's older. Right. Like when I say older, she had to have been beyond – she's probably between 50 and 65. She's older. Like, ma'am, I think you have me confused with somebody else. There's no way. She's like, no. I watch you every day. Can I have your autograph? And I, I swear to Christ, Joe, I'm not even fucking with you. So I'm, your first autograph. My first autograph ever. And I'm like, ma'am, I, I, you watch, you don't watch this. Like, so she's like, yeah, you're on YouTube. And I'm like, I, I've got a YouTube channel, but it's, it's about gyms. And like, I do consulting with gym owners. She's like, I know my husband, he's a bodybuilder and he owns a gym in North Carolina. And she's telling me the name of the gym, but it's loud. And there's that hissy noise. I've got headphones in, and I'm fucking high. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, and you're like, like, she's confusing me with carrot top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how to tell her. I'm like, lady, there's no way. I'm like in my head right now. I'm like, okay, get it together, Stuart. Is this woman real? Or are you talking to nothing right now? Like, get your shit together. I'm like, there's no way this is happening. She literally hands me the napkin that her little drink came on that the you know American Airlines chicken oh and goodness. had me, and I just signed it. And I I've never done this before. I just put to Sally like whatever like hearts I do this autograph I write her a little message and I give it back to her and she's not joking like as the rest of the flight comes on she goes I'm not joking this is my husband she's showing me she's showing his gym it's outside of Greenville North Carolina and he's a fucking bodybuilder and they follow and they watch the vlog and she's like I watch it with him three days a week you post Monday Wednesday and Friday I was like holy fuck this is real but dude, it was You're so like, I need to be sober right I now. Know, I, was like, <laughs> I need to have a conversation. And then you, cause not that I've ever been on edibles, but I can imagine <laughs> that what it would be like is something like, my dad listens to this. I, I imagine it would be something like, there's a moment where you go, have I been talking to her? <laughs> right? Like, cause no. in your head, you're like, I don't even know if I'm having a communication. I'm literally, like, a, I'm a like, I'm like, I'm yeah. like, 
I'm like Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense right now. This woman isn't actually here. Like, this is not happening. No woman who looks like she's 60 years old just asked for my autograph on the American Airlines flight, caddy corner from me. There's no fucking way. But that really did happen. It was me. And so we both got off the plane at the same time. She was right there. You and had to stand walked, up slow. And so I'm standing up slow. And, I, and again, I'm still really high at this point, which is, again, for anyone listening – Go fuck yourself. Well, it's Don't legal out there. Yeah, it's legal hey, out there. And that's like saying you're drunk on the plane. Yeah, and it's it's one of these things like I have sleeping problems. Anyway, so. <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the entire way out, she's like, yeah, we just happened to find your stuff because we're in North Carolina. Anytime, we've talked about coming up to Charlotte to see your spot. It was fucking nuts. I tried explaining that is super to, cool. Dude, I tried explaining it to my wife afterwards. She goes, yeah, you're just just shut the fuck up. She's just like shut the fuck up. Like, I don't want to. You don't hear understand. It. This is my autograph. Yeah. First of all, I hope that's in the vlog. Did you not vlog her? No. So, no. Oh, no. she would have died. Oh no. You'd have been like, watch your husband with. So like we did this. a selfie together. Yeah. And I, but I was, I could not like. So there was. You couldn't a, open your eyes. There was this existential moment where I was just like, this needs to be in the vlog. But I can't move my limbs. Like I was just like I was so out of it, man. It was such a waste of opportunity. For any of you guys listening, this is why you shouldn't do drugs. Like, it, it, and I think the difference with edibles, I can imagine, is that it would be. It's like you are so aware that everyone around you knows. Yeah. That you get paralyzed. Paranoid, correct. You're like, yeah. I know that you know, know that and I'm, I'm doing my fucking best. And again, I like I had the last thing. If I if I wouldn't like again, I will. I'll have a few cocktails on the podcast. I will. I, yeah, I will eat an edible or do whatever to when I know I'm going to have a hard time sleeping at night or maybe do a unisom or something like that. But the last thing I ever anticipated was having an interaction with someone on that flight. It was a nighttime flight. It was a red eye I took in. I landed at like 1 a.m. Thursday morning. The last What was it, she doing on that flight? She, what, she came in from uh, – I came in from San Jose, and I think she said she flew in from like San Francisco or something. Oh, okay. But dude – the la- like if I even think that there's an opportunity for some good content, I would have never fucked with the chemical. Say I might have had a few beers or something selling the flight, but like, right. to get that fucking smashed. God. But what a gr- like that sh- like and I, and I didn't even think to be like, what is your name so I can yeah. shout you out or anything. I just at least get the gym's name. Anything. There's, like even that. as I'm saying this now, maybe it didn't happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a part maybe of me I'm that's like because this sounds like that kind of story it sounds exactly like it and like so, I got off and I was just like I remember calling Zoe so I was like why are like you if you told me? me that her name was Sally no, <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be it that, right? would, be, that would be it not, like yeah yeah not. yeah let me tell you but yeah so that was uh so I went to San Jose, and that was my trip. That sounds like a fun trip. I, I mean, you literally just told me about the plane ride, yeah. but it sounds like a great trip. I watched a homeless person shit in the park, and I got yeah. that on the vlog. Okay. So I was riding Lime scooters, and uh, I just stopped, and they have a huge homeless person problem there. Oh, my God. And literally, this woman is literally just – and she's, she's a good deuce and a half. Like, she's, she could use some fitness services. Any of you guys who are listening to this and you have gyms in San Jose, she needs to be working out there. Um, Preference with public bathrooms. Pro- yeah, <laughs> but she just literally starts – she's just like in a quarter squat shitting in the park. Yeah. And I'm zooming in with my camera because my, ba- my, <laughs> my, uh, my proper camera is in the fucking book bag. So I'm just with my phone, whatever the best ca- – I'm zooming in. It's all grainy, but it's – The exposure's tell, on, She's douching. Yeah, she's douching. <laughs> douching. Deucing. <laughs> she was not douching. <laughs> That's a totally different story. <laughs> we gotta get that off the podcast. <laughs> Tell me that later. That was that would have been way more impressive. Yeah. Taking a shit in the park is one thing. <laughs> then you stop and Douchey. get your real camera out. Maybe go interview her. Ma'am, if you don't mind here, <laughs> Stu here. But um yeah, anyway, so that was the trip. So it was a good trip though. Yeah, it part. was, dude. It made me want to move out there. I love the weather out there. Yeah, the weather it's out there is pretty so fucking nice. Pretty beautiful. It's like jeans and lightweight hoodie weather. 
all the time. In the middle of the day, it gets warm, and you take that lightweight hoodie off. Right. But that's like my jam. Jeans yeah. and a lightweight hoodie. That's my I hear you. I fucking hear you. So what have you been doing? Anything interesting? Can you add to this fucking podcast at all? Did you do any edibles? No, I was just I was just going to listen, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even actually here to talk. I had nothing to say. No, when I spent my whole fucking week watching this Greg Glassman video in like six-minute chunks because that's what you asked me to do. Oh, yeah, podcast. that's right. Yeah. I don't have 45 minutes straight to watch anything. <laughs> so like I've been just like – you're like, listen to this. We need to talk about it. Cause you, I think it was because you came off the high of your reaction video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you could see the – like you had glee. It was oh, like your was eyes so were like so vibrant as I, and young as, as you're doing this, it. And I'm, was, yeah. Which is mind-boggling to me too because I've watched every reaction, all types of re- – I'm like, why is he not doing a picture in picture? Like, why is he not doing it the same way that everyone fucking does? And you've done it like that. Yeah. And I was like, just put it in the lower left. Stop cutting back and forth. It's unnecessary. But it was mostly because I wanted to see your face as they were saying it, because that's the reaction. Yeah, yeah. The reactions, and like, because it was so funny. Every time you'd cut, you'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like you were so <laughs> excited to tell us what you were thinking. But we would have been able to see it the whole time if you just left it on the screen. So Joe, so reaction for those of you guys who are not, the majority, I don't think the majority of people are obviously YouTubers like you are. No, like, to to the degree. Reaction videos are a legit thing that people do all the time. Like uh, yeah, the Danny, fi- Danny the f- Gonzalez is the one you turned oh me on to. He's probably one of my favorites. He's so good at um, it. The yeah. Fine Bros tried to actually own reaction videos, the, the concept of creating I called mine a, video. a response video. Should I call it a reaction Oh, yeah. Video? It's 100% put a reaction, put it in all caps. I mean, it's like a very common YouTube yeah, yeah. thing. Um, but they tried to own it, and they actually had a pretty decent following, and they got bastardized by the community for it. Like, like – are you seriously trying to like trademark reaction videos? And they really were like they were really? taking up a legal stance to try to say and it was because they had a specific type. Of, it would be like kids reacting to, yeah. and they had like this react to, I think was the name of it or whatever it was. And it was a whole thing a few years ago, but there, it's like an explosive genre of YouTube. Yeah, is reaction videos. I was watching one with Burt Kreischer where he's reacting to two other guys. Who oh the no, fuck's Burt Kreischer. He's a comedian. Okay, super funny comedian. Um, I figured you know him because I'm assuming you watch Joe Rogan's podcast, and that's one of that game. Every now, like him, Tom Segura. Um, uh, there's another guy I can't remember. If you're anyway. watching a Joe Rogan podcast, like if you're like when people's like I listen to Joe Rogan, I'm like, over how many weeks do you like? Does it take for you to accomplish <laughs> listening to one Joe Rogan interview? See, Kevin Hart's was almost two hours long. The Kevin Elon Hart- Musk was three hours. Alex Jones was almost four. Yeah, like what the fuck. Um, because they're interesting. Because he's good they, at what he they does. They are, but like, who the fuck is that time? Like, how long yeah. does it take someone to consume that entire thing? But so for me, like, that's my background. Like, I'll put it on and I'm doing work. Sure. It's just running. See, I can't do a work like that. I used to be able really? to listen to music, like, especially like rap music. I could listen and work at the same time. I can't do that anymore. Well, so I'm used to work. I've worked from home my entire career. So it's always like I lived alone. And it's, I didn't have anyone around. When you say around. that, it sounds like you've been unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked for So when life. I started Flex, the first job I've had in eight years. Um, no, so – but yeah, so I used to like leave – I used to watch seasons of shows in like three or four days um, pretty consistently because I just leave it on in the background because it was background noise. It was like having people in the office – People, other people are talking in other rooms Do in you my think house. you're operating at a lesser percentage on like, – Nah, I think I just got used to it. I think so. It's like – and what, what I really got good at it was when I would listen to Gary Vee when he was first like starting really trying to promote himself um, when his content was kind of like fresh every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would listen to him and then I would like catch on little things and then I would pause it, stop my work and listen to that little section or write down the timestamp and then go back and listen to them later. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to listen to 100% of his stuff to find the 4% that's actually like, – still today – there's these little things like you learn a lot from listening to things like that, and I think that's why I wanted to talk about Glassman's interview because it is interesting to me that you listen to that interview and a lot of it's shit, 
mostly because, and there's no knock on that guy, interviewing is not his best skill set. Sure. Vlogging is, he's really good Very at. Very good. Interviewing, like I've watched his one with Matt Frazier and a couple, of, and you're just like, this isn't your bag. Maybe your wife can do it better. I don't know, but like, he doesn't know how to like progress a conversation organically yeah. and like pull information out. I would say the best interviews are not, don't talk as yeah. much, right? Like I look at it like sales. Like you're trying to get the other person to say sure. a lot. The only person that get away with that is Joe Rogan yeah. because he's, whether or not the shit he's saying is true, it's equally as interesting as what the other party. But when he had Elon Musk on, he probably talked 50% less. Oh yeah. Cause he 100%. just want like, let this guy talk. You never hear yeah, him. When's that opportunity he's going to get that. Again. And if he ever gets Kanye West on there, I get He won't talk for more than 10 seconds, yeah. right? Like, like let the guy just get out. 100%. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so you listen to these little nuggets. So I used to love listening to Gary Vee because he works in that space and such a unique portion of that space where you have this level of like, you know, he always preaches to get with somebody that's really high up, almost like in an internship spot. Sure. And work for free. Work for free. That's what I feel like watching his vlogs were like back in the day. I don't really watch them as much anymore, but back in the day they were because you'd hear just little like, well, yeah, when we close that for 15,000 and I'm like, okay, now I have like a price anger for what that would cost if you went through VaynerMedia, right? Like you yeah. hear these little facts or like, yeah, well, we started blasting that on Snap in this way and it's like, oh, so you hear like these very small, ta- but you have to be listening sure. to just hear that little tactical advice that you get away from all like the, I uh, use a lot of curses and I, you know, and yeah. six, three to 60 million, right? Like all that yeah, yeah. shit that you hear over and over again, which is great. It's branding. Sure. Um, but those nuggets are worth it because yeah. you can't get that exposure. There's no other CEOs out there they're telling you what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. So it's like that side, it's when he's not trying to be profound, there's sure. a lot of nuggets in there. And I think you can listen to Greg Glassman talk and take away the little pieces. And that's why, I mean, I think there's obviously better people to interview him. I have to admit, like, in my opinion, I think that he purposefully picks interviews like that, where he's just like, that guy's outmanned. Oh, easily. T- I think because he comes across as such like a grassroots, I drink beer, I yeah, did, you know yeah. what I mean? I definitely do coke and like <laughs> just that kind of thing that people look at him as a like he's not as smart. He's the fucking CEO of a billion dollar, like a multi-billion dollar company. Like, I don't even know. How much is Crossworth worth? It, I don't it, have Regardless no of what it's, it's private. Worth, you, you can't, there's not a single fitness company out there that has had as large of a lasting impact over the past going on 15 years as that company. Yeah, well, changing I, the landscape in the dynamic, right? Like not niche, like Correct. actually creating its own category and then exploding yeah. on top of that. But yeah, I mean, so like you go and you expect to be like, oh, what? Like he's gonna catch him? You're not gonna catch this guy. You know how many fucking PR people he works with? Like he knows the exact right answer to all your questions. He doesn't talk negatively His about dad anything. Dad was an astrophysicist. Like he's like he grew up in the house of someone who is so fucking smart that right. it, it's at. Uh, I forget what his dad's name is, but his dad is, he's, he's in that realm of people that top 1% from an intellectual brain standpoint. And that's the other thing too, when people are like, Glassman, I don't like his answers. He just bounces around questions. In my brain, the way I compute that, his brain is processing so quickly, the amount of information, if he were to actually regurgitate it into human words that the 99% could understand, it would just, it would take. 30 minutes and it, you would not be able to keep up. So him giving this kind of like blah grassroots kind of like random ambiguous answer is the only way for him to dumb down what's going through his head. But also because he's an expert at PR. Yeah. Like he knows how to own a crowd. He knows he how to knows. put a silencer on a gun. That's yeah, what it is. That's it. And he can say things in them. And I love it because they're always so concise. These yeah. people that know their shit so cold that they look at you and you can even see if you watch his little like micro expressions oh God, yeah. as What's I keep forgetting Craig his name. Craig. As Craig Craig's like Greg. as Craig's like saying the question, you could see his expressions like I got this. I already know the answer to this. 
like I'm going to let you finish the sentence because I probably booked 45 minutes with you. Like this is exactly yeah. the amount of time you're going to get. And it would make me so happy if you talked for 85% of the time <laughs> because then I don't have to fucking do sure. anything and I can go on to whatever I'm going to yeah. do next, right? Like, but now he's engaged with the community. He knows, like, you think he doesn't know Craig's audience. Like, when he yeah. goes, what's your name again? Like, this is all a thing. Maybe this is, I'm just a conspiracy theorist in this. But, like, I have a hard time thinking, like, he wants to be looked at as, like, he's too big to know who Craig is. He fucking knows. Not that he's probably ever watched a video of his, but somebody, whoever sets his schedule, because he sure as fuck doesn't, turns to him and says, hey, you have that meeting with the YouTuber. Today. Oh, what's his audience? Oh, they're athletes. He just knows the whole landscape, and then he sits down with you, and that's why he sits comfortably. That's why he has a beer. That's it's all an image. It was an iced tea, I think. Wow. I think my video made it seem like it was a beer. It was definitely, I think, an iced tea. He did say that in the beginning, iced yeah, tea yeah. or some shit. So, it, so, and that's the, so that video, um, that video is going to be, and again, so who came up to me? Um, Daniel, when I was in San Jose, he goes, smart play. You and like he, he knows my numbers, obviously. He's like, that video of yours is getting more views than anything else you've done to date. It's because you're just siphoning and piggybacking on yeah. the back, in which 100%. Well, that's, that's what reactions what, are. Yeah, it's 100,000% yeah. the strategy. Um, I thought that he did as good of a job as he could considering he's not an interviewer, considering he is – it was more like – I don't want to say puppy. That's kind of very demeaning. I want to say like he was just like um, – He's in a want position. Please bring back the games focus thing. And dad said no. It, she's, I'm, I love the fact that she said dad because yeah. that's what it came to me. Oh, I was 100%. like, this is a son talking to his 100%. father. And you could tell he – and again, I think there's a good dynamic there, right? He has respect for a guy. He's not like, what the fuck are you doing, right? Like he didn't yeah. try to be, create an equal out of him. But at the same time, it's like he talked a lot. Yeah. He took him so long to have these questions come out. And I think it had a lot to do with he didn't want to come across like an asshole, yep. right? Like he didn't want to turn to him and be like, what the fuck did you do to my games? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like that's what he wanted to say. But then he, he mentions in there too, like he's only been doing this shit since like 2016. Sure, right? he's like, that's, brand new. And he's like, he Which basically came for almost YouTube, on the YouTube following like the downturn yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Like not the downturn, but like when it started to lose yeah. that. He's late to the party. Yeah. But that's why. I, mean, I still say the peak was when Camille and Rich won the game. Sure. To me, that was the pinnacle of crossover. Like, and maybe it was just because that's about when I Froning, got started. Uh, that documentary, they Netflix or whoever did the Rich Phony documentary, maybe it was CrossFit Journal, whoever did it. Yeah. When he three-peated, four-peated, whatever that was, that was that was kind of me like the peak of it. Now, here's the thing with Craig, what, the thing that I'm super impressed by. YouTube standards, by YouTube growth standards, his following is not as impressive as um, Mr. Beast of the World and oh, all these yeah. other crazy – like most guys. But like, they're like just, the – But he's, he's definitely in that second to third tier. And I'm, I'm – in. He's only started doing this in, since 2016. So the CrossFit Journal did a documentary on him about this kid, CrossFit fanatic, started his YouTube vlog, and now that's his career. And blows my mind. And in a good way. I'm very impressed. And it gives me um, not motivation for my own thing because my thing is not YouTube-driven. But it gives me that I still like that there is the hopeful, green-eyed – I want to compete because that is where that kid comes from. You can look at him. Right. He is sitting there. Like right now, if you – like I follow him on Instagram. He is in uh, uh, wherever Rich Phoning's gym is. Cookville. And he's working – yeah, he's working out there with those guys. And he is every day – like that is the – and I think that's cool. I think it's going to be really cool to watch some kid who documented his journey. What if he makes it to the games one day? Oh, he, well, that's – I mean, yeah. yeah. I think he looked at the games changes as his best shot. I, so I look at it right now as it's like this documentary, this kid – trying to go to the games and if he does make it 
his entire channel, his entire purpose, and like whether we're all like everyone that was like you know joking on him for fucking like you know all these affiliate owners in these groups that you know tag me and shit. They're just like ah, this fucking kid doesn't get. It. He's not a gym owner. This green eyed motherfucker. Like, dude, get off this kid's nuts. He's just like I mean like it. It's the same way. Some a young black kid in fucking inner city Akron, Ohio, is looking up to LeBron. Right. It's just the same thing. Like, you need something. And think about it. It's created him a career. Yeah. I don't know what the monetization is like on someone with 155,000 subs. Maybe you have a better idea on that. I don't know what kind of money they make on that. But enough to allow him to travel to the United States four times in the past like eight weeks. Right. To go <clears> fuck <throat> around and trade. But he's also got that hustle made line of clothing. Correct. Which is even how like merch, the most elite of YouTubers, yeah, the that's Dobrik's how they make the majority. Yeah, yeah. They make their money off merch. Right. Yep. And it's um, I'm very impressed with it. It was never meant to be a knock piece. It was obviously I took. I, I, took, I don't I don't yeah. think it was a knock piece. No, no. Like I was listening to you listen to it, and I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I think you were just making points about what was going on. You were listening to me listen. You weren't watching me listen to it. I was. Listening. I was just. I was just background music. I was listening. Yeah, because once I realized you weren't doing picture in picture, I was like, this fucking novice. <laughs> <laughs> like, all I do is watch your YouTube videos until the point happens when I go, I'm definitely not subscribing today, <laughs> and then I stop watching and just listen. And one day we're gonna get a one fucking day. Um, but no, that was that was really fun to do. Um, but one of the parts that um, I th- did you get to it in your video where you're talking where he was talking about the game, where he's like, this isn't a game show. It's a sideshow. Right, yeah, but he was talking about like oh, the CrossFit game, games. like it was like yeah. a test of fitness, Correct. and it's not any. Of course, compares it to grid, yeah. right? Oh my which god, I, that was my favorite. Which I had to have, an, yeah. I have to have an opinion on. It's only oh, fair. A hundred percent. When he compared it to grid, I was like, that's when I was texting you. I was like, Joe, you got, you got to watch this. Right, and he, here's what I find interesting about. It. There's a couple things, and I don't think at any point. I think I almost had a a, a better view on grid. Than a lot of people that started there. For those of you guys it. who haven't been following uh, Jamo with Joe, Joe was very much involved with Grid and blah 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 blah, and so there's yeah. a connection there. Yeah, I worked there. Yeah, for a couple of years, and it was after season one when I joined, and it was always so interesting to me because it was very obvious that the people that were running it at the time were CrossFitters running Grid, sure. and that's where I saw like where the elements were very test of fitness based, and not a show. And there's always this competing thought there where it's like, is this a sport or is this a show? Sure. And it was very funny to hear Glassman instantly classify it as a game show. Mm-hmm. Now, also, I think there's like this middle ground of like sports show, right? Because you look at something like basketball, it's come a long way. Football's come a long way. Like the things that they do, you go to a basketball game, some of it's basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a bunch of other shit that goes on. Yeah, like they're trying to, show. There is an entertaining yes. aspect to it. And I also think it's funny because I'm not going to say that I disagree with Greg. Like I, yeah, sure. It's definitely more of a game show. It's less of a test of fitness in the CrossFit games, for sure. Not to say that fitness is not tested there. Sure. But in the same ways that no one would want to watch baseball practice, but watching a baseball game is fun. Watching a guy try to hit a ball out is fun. Yep. And I feel like that's what grid encapsulates. More people watch the home run derby than they do any regular season besides playoff baseball. Right. So I look at it like you want to do CrossFit. Cool. Like I always looked at it like why do we care so much that CrossFit is so separate from grid? Like to me it's like, no, that's one of the best training elements for grid. Sure. It's one of them. Yeah. Right? Because there's also like this high-level gymnastics that you're not going to get in a CrossFit gym. And it's a high-level weightlifting that you're not going to get there. And there's these strongman elements that you could do them in a CrossFit gym, but you're actually more apt to do them somewhere else and train for a better style. We did CrossFit to train for baseball. Yeah. We did it twice a week when I was in college. So it's like, don't tell me that it's not – it can't be an element of it. But like we always say, we are not a test of fitness. But the problem was the entire fan base – 
was, was like, for a test this is CrossFit, isn't yeah. it? And it's like, no, it's not. We're actually very – so it's like how do we make it – so my – always my biggest fights over there were around the actual weights and reps of the elements because they say something like, all right, we're going to do a ladder, and it's going to start at you know 95 pounds. And it's going to end at 350. No one's going to fucking make it there because no one could do 16 reps of clean and jerks sure. in that amount of time at that weight. And I'm like, you have to understand something. I'm thinking about it from the viewer's perspective, the spectator who doesn't know CrossFit, sure. doesn't know Olympic weightlifting. And when you show them the difference between 135 and 225, they just go, oh, the weights are colored different. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, don't it doesn't register the to gravity them of it the difference there. of it, right? Like, so you put those huge five-pound Aleco plates. You ever see those, the white ones that are enormous, that look like the full-size bumper? Yep. To them, that's 135. Like, there is no difference. It yep. looks visually the same. That's why strongman competitions use things like wood yeah. to say, like, this is a fucking tree. Can yeah. you lift a tree? And... um. And grid, unfortunately, like in the in the season before it ended, we had come up with this co- new concepts for a lot of the races that were much more apparent to the spectator. But absolutely, grid was meant to be a spectator thing, sure, and not for the athletes to prove their test of strength. No, I think the way that he said it made it sound like there was a negative connotation, but I didn't take it as like a diss at all. I was like, yeah, you're right, and that's why grid will always be more fun to watch than the CrossFit games. Sure. Forever, because oh, I, it was meant to be a spectator yeah, I thing. I was huge. I can you can even go and find on my timeline um, under the Stuart Brower Facebook account. Go don't go to Stu Brower. Those are all the college photos. Everyone's locked <laughs> out of those. But Stuart Brower, you can go find one where I talk about. I truly think Grid is going to be a great. I, and here's why: I just thought it created a marketplace for all the athletes that were complete freaks but will never be CrossFit games capable, but can do Sam Dancer shit. Yeah. Or uh, what's that the little brunette girl from fucking um, the Phoenix team, um, Valerie, whatever her name was, that was just a, a muscle-up fucking phenom. Yeah. Like, it just, there was all these freaks out there, and they are. They're fucking freaks. Yeah. But they're not well-rounded freaks. Because they don't need to be. Because a fr- here, Well, yeah. that's why you can have a 280-pound baseball player who hits balls a quarter mile but can't run to second yeah. base without being out of breath. Like, I, we always have this fight with it. That's why baseball and soccer always hate each other at schools and stuff like that because they're always like, we're better athletes. And I would argue, yeah, you're in better shape yeah. for sure. But the skill that's required to hit a baseball, I say, with the, is the hardest thing sure. to do in any sport is to hit a baseball. Yeah. Um, so you can have this level. So I thought Grid was like, cool, you don't have to be shredded and all you could be a little heavy and be the best player yeah. on your team, right? Like, hey, Danny Nichols, what if we didn't make a guy like Danny Nichols do this other aerobic stuff that yeah, requires yeah. such a capacity. What if he really could max what out could on a clean and yeah, right? Yeah. Like what if we didn't make him do 305 for five? Could he do 400 for one? Yeah. And would he train differently for it? Absolutely he would. Yeah. And so obviously there was a lot of hiccups along the way and like the structure of it, because again, I think it was like, let's start from CrossFit and what are we going to be? And what are we not going to be? And it should have been like, let's start from the ground because what Glassman talks about in that interview is, we started this with the idea that there's a bit of nutrition that needs to be involved. This is the kind of way that CrossFitters are going to eat. This is the way that CrossFitters are going to train for life. And they have these different elements. And health was always the big push. Sure. Grid was not created for your fucking health. No, neither of the CrossFit games. Right. And that's what I mean. So, like, when he describes the CrossFit games, it's it like that makes beast. Money, it doesn't make health. Yeah. Grid was like, cool. Well, what if it did? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's, let, let's fine. Stay in your fitness and health space. Yeah. And we're going to make a show out of this because. Yeah. It still helps. I was like, let's not – why are we burning bridges? Now, I think it's obviously because of budding leaving, right? Like the, the politics of it is sure. what made there such bad blood. Because to me, 
there needed to be a good relationship there for uh, for that to succeed. It's like, like a, as a, it's as a, a feeder, yeah, right? Feeder like program. it gets people kind of interested like your in these. SAGL. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, what got me addicted to CrossFit, by the way, and this is the next point that I definitely want to bring up from that interview, is a buddy of mine dragged me in. So I had done CrossFit in college in 2009, and I still say to this day that if I would have quit, that would have been the same year that Rich Froning quit, and me and him would have been neck and neck. Um, <laughs> revisionist Duh. history. So, but we didn't do any of the weightlifting stuff. So we only did the shitty stuff, the stuff that no one likes to do, light body weight stuff that makes you want to throw up. Sure. And so I was like, I'm never fucking doing this again. I lost 10 pounds. I was like, I hate it. It was the lightest I'd ever played a baseball season at. It was very uncomfortable. Years later, one of my buddies that I played college baseball with was like, hey, you got to come to CrossFit tonight. Like, I, he's been trying to get me to go for years. I was like, no, I don't feel like losing weight. I don't feel like doing all this shit. I was a Gold's gym guy. Yep. I was a, the most popular guy at Gold's. I'm good, yeah, right? Course. You know, I was running my own little ab sessions in the corners. And um, he's like, I come tonight. He's like, we're doing bench. Now, this was Steve's gym, oh, yeah. obviously. Sold. It has to be, right? Sold. So I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll do it. So I went with him, and we did CrossFit there. And then I uh, – I, so I was like, I liked it. Next day, we do snatches. Yeah. And I loved it. And I got obsessed with Olympic lifting. I was like, this is so fucking cool. And I knew I would never be a CrossFit, like a great CrossFitter. And Grid came out right after that. And that's what got me into Grid in the first yeah, place. Yeah. I was like, cool, I could be a specialist. So I think that CrossFit does a great job of introducing you to all these different disciplines that otherwise no one's going to walk into a global gym and be like, I'm going to learn Olympic lifting here. You just can't, even yeah. though there is a mat for you to do it now, right? Like mm -hmm. they created their own little CrossFit space. No one's going to go try to learn that. Sure. So I think it's great for introducing people to those different things. Um, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, kind of it's just so funny, man. It's, watching that interview... I, the thing that I could that the over if I had to put a theme to it, there's a large group of individuals that are upset that the land the, the line in the sand has been made wider between right. those who are what they might they might consider themselves a bubble athlete I might make it one day versus those who are not, and I'm a huge fan of that I am I am good with crushing your dreams if you're not good enough because that's just a reality because if I because if, if you know if if Greg Glassman doesn't do it by drawing that line in the sand and making it so instead of out of the top 20, they all go to regionals, blah, blah, blah. Now, hey, no, you got to be the best in the country to go. I think that's how it should be. Yeah. And, and so, again, I look at a guy like Craig who's like, I'm bubble. I might make it to regionals, might make it to regionals. And now regionals have been snatched out from underneath of him. And I think they package it up as, uh, well, you know, it's just really inspiring to me and so many people. And I think if you take the games away, that kind of hurts a lot of things. How many people have found CrossFit because of the games when really if we boiled and we shaved that fucking reasoning and justification down, it's, yeah, you've literally just probably sealed my fate that I'm never going to be a professional CrossFit right. athlete, which is, I think that's okay. I yeah. like there, cause there's a difference in CrossFit. Again, this is the problem. I play basketball. I'm not going to the NBA. CrossFit is I do CrossFit. I want to make the CrossFit games. It right. just again the dual branding of it is what is where I think it, everything went awry, right? Which is why I think Grid was such a great thing because I saw that as I do CrossFit. Maybe one day I make it to Grid, right? Right, and I, and I thought with the team aspect, well, that's why I love the SAG because I was like they're gonna need new people. Well, to not do only that, I, there's more like sponsorship dollars. It's easier from a sponsorship. I'm gonna talk this from a business perspective to invest money into a team versus an individual. Sure. Again, like if you're Rich Frone, if Rich Frone had blown out his ACL halfway through like a year after Reebok signed that fucking legendary, which 
rumor has it, I've never seen any numbers on it, but it rivaled the Peyton Manning contract. That's what people say. I, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe. I, yeah. I don't know. They, but again, if you're, sure. I'm sure there was some help from CrossFit on that side. But yeah, if Rich Funnier blow his ACL, what, what do you do then? Yeah. What do you do? That, like, I wonder what the clause was like after he retired or like went away. Like he had to keep doing. I don't know. What, again, I'm not going to talk about shit I don't know. But bottom line is I looked at the grid being a team. You were more likely to make money as an athlete on a team than you were going to be making <clears> it as an individual. And that's what I really liked about grid. I saw the opportunity for the freaks. I saw the opportunities for kids like Craig to possibly make a team because every team needed a well-rounded kind of guy, blah, blah, blah. Um so I got yeah. interested in grid from the athlete standpoint. But yeah. what sold me on grid and wanted made me want to work for it and kind of grow it was my brother, who is my polar opposite, right? Like he doesn't like sports. He When are we gonna get him on this podcast? Because we've talked about him a good amount. We could try to get him on. He'd probably hate this. Like this is like his fucking nightmare. Um, he tried CrossFit once and, and yeah, did yeah. wall balls yeah. and everyone was rooting for him and then we walked out. He's like, I never, I never fucking want to go back. Here. Here. I'm yeah. never coming back here again. Um, but he, I played baseball for 19 years. He came to two games in 19 years. He's my fucking brother. And that always bugged me. But he doesn't, he's just, sports is just not his fucking game. He went to UPenn. He's successful. He retired at 35. Like, he's, he's and a And if you guys want to fuck with Joe, send me selfies of your brother at your baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we'll forward them to Joe. Like, man, look at this brother who loves his other brother by going so, to his baseball game. I get it, though. I, yeah, whatever. So he never liked sports. And he came to the SAGL competition, and he was like, I would watch this. Yeah. And it was like a light bulb. I'm like, there's a guy. And I think it's funny because even Glassman says, like, they asked him. Remember, he's like, do you like to watch sports? And he's like, I don't know if you fucking told me that this is the coolest play. And that's me. I hate watching sports, which is nuts because I played it my whole life. And people would always ask me, like, oh, well, what do you think of this team? I was like, I can't name a fucking guy in the Yankees. Like, I I don't know anything about any of these teams. And it just didn't interest me. But I am interested. And I watched Grid. I'm like, this is – or could be even more exciting. There's something about this. There's the energy. And I think the main reason was because it was every race was interesting. Sure. Whereas, like, any other sport, you let me watch the last two minutes. So That's it. it let me correct. watch the ninth inning of people baseball, just last two minutes of football. Character introduction, conflict resolution. Most people, basketball is one of the biggest ones. People would just rather watch the last six minutes of a basketball yeah. game. That's close, right? I think what Grid did was character introduction conflict and then resolution and it normally came down and i got to watch the grid races at the bojangles coliseum like when it comes down to the last match it was very exciting my favorite was when greg referred to everything as thruster races yeah god i thought that was so (laughs) fucking funny i was just like thruster races like i just just suck that kid's soul (laughs) right out of him but so anyway i'll tell you my favorite part of the interview what my favorite line in the whole interview is when he says well, I think the games serve to get a lot of people into these gyms. Yeah. And Greg had that face on like, you think this isn't a question I can't handle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, actually, and I'm a bit of an expert on this. Like, I was like, oh, man, like, just go just sit down. He is, yeah, he's, he's like, about whatever. to just truck And you. he says the same thing that you and I talk about all the time and that I sell to every gym owner that we talk about marketing about. And it's like, how do people enter gyms with the person who took them there? Sure. It's how I started CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. It was like someone was like literally to drag me into this new type of working yeah, out. Yeah. And I'm into fitness. I'm always down to try new shit. And I wasn't going to try it until someone dragged sure. me in. 
And it's the same thing now with all these different, and I'm going to start using the term craft fitness. That's what I want to call craft it. Craft fitness. Craft fitness. Is that these high-end so boutiques? Hear, you can hear it here first. Um, yeah. yeah, I want to call it craft fitness. So there's craft beer, craft coffee, and craft fitness. Craft fitness. Because I feel like boutique and micro both kind of give it this small, like, and it's not, it doesn't have to be I'm small. I'm literally Googling craft fitness right now. If there's a micro gym already called craft fitness. I'm sure there's a gym called craft no fitness. Way. It has to be. Craft. Um, but yeah, so I think craft fitness, like in this space, it's going to be someone bringing you there, right? Like craft fitness, CrossFit Cedar Rapids. There you go. Perfect. Um, what's funny is that craft probably like stands for something like Cedar Rapids. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. AFT. Is. Yeah. yeah. Um, amateur fitness training. So, um, but yeah, so what I think is very interesting is that when you talk about like referrals and people dragging you in to a girl that's never heard the word bar before, like what's a bar class? She might go up and look it online, but it's going to be one of her friends. It's like, come with me to this bar class. Let's go try it. Yeah, come yeah. with me to this high-intensity interval class. Come with me to this uh, Chakti yoga class, right? Like, they're going to be dragged and referred. Yeah. And that's what I thought was so interesting to hear him say that because it's like everyone thinks it's all this promotion and the marketing. And like, yeah, I think the brand awareness was what CrossFit laid its old groundwork on is just brand awareness. It is still people referring and dragging people into gyms that gets them to try something new like that. It will never be – no one watched ESPN and was like, yeah, I'm going to go try that out. Yeah, no, and that was what the point I was trying to make in, in some of that commentary was that the growth of CrossFit is not due to the games. Right? That's like once I went to Reddit, everyone was trying to eat me alive on that. But it, it's also the other thing too is I believe in the referral and the word of mouth thing is going to – it has to be – it's got to become our main thing. Like, I, again, I, I've referred to that Talk Triggers book, and that that's probably a book that I've read that's kept me awake more than anything else. And so even with this, like Instagram, you hear all these whispers. People are like, huh, Mike likes and my followers haven't climbed up as much. Are they starting to pull the organic away from Instagram? Is that like, right. it like you know, what if summer 2019 is when officially organic reach leaves Instagram? Like it did on Facebook. Correct. Yeah. And now do you see more people run to Google? Like, should it, is it smarter for people to run to Google right now? And just like, because the landscape is a little barren because everyone's fucking around on Facebook and Instagram. Like, what, what's the smart play? But I think ultimately is having a word of mouth. So that guy, Jay Bear, I've talked about the, the talk triggers, right? So he's a professional speaker. He writes these books. And someone challenged him, like, what, what's your fucking talk trigger? You're a professional speaker. What is your talk trigger? And if you've watched any of his keynotes, you always notice he wears these very loud plaid suits. Now, wearing a plaid suit is not a talk trigger. Now, a talk trigger is defined as an operational choice you make that makes your customer, it's remarkable, repeatable, reasonable, and... Um, Reasonable, repeatable. Anyway, it's a bunch of R's. A couple, one more R I'm missing. Ridiculous. No, remarkable, repeatable, reasonable. Oh, and relative to what it is you do, right? So I can't like hand out bottles of Jameson at the gym and right. tell people that's you know our talk trigger. So he has these plaid suits. And when you book him for a speech, and again, there's a job where someone goes and they decide who to hire. And if you decide to hire Jay Bear, he sends you a link to a website. And it's this interactive website where you get to pick out of over 100 custom plaid suits he's had made, and you get to pick the <laughs> plaid suit he wears, and he, he'll have it match your brand's colors, all this. So it's this interactive website Jeez. where you pick the plaid suit he wears based on whatever, based on maybe your personal preference or based on, oh, those colors represent our brand right. or our city or whatever it is. That is his operational talk trigger, that when you go, you're considering the book Jay Bear, 
He goes, sure, but make sure you pick out the right suit and he sends you this catalog and he will wear whatever. That is a talk trigger. People will, like I booked this guy and I actually got to pick the outfit right. he wore. This is and real. He, yeah, yeah, this is, and so that is a really cool kind of thing that people will talk about. And I just, that is the thing that keeps me up at night. That's why I'm having to fucking eat edibles to go to sleep is because what is something that a micro gym can do to create that talk trigger? And we, you and me have talked on some of this stuff for Urban Movement and some ideas I've had, but that is on it. Like when I think of the future of what, you know, organic's gone on Instagram, Facebook, let's fast forward, prices per click go up, all this other stuff. What are we all going to do that's going to actually make us different? Because nobody talks about the shit that's the same. Nobody right. does. Yeah. You know? Well, it's about, I mean, if you're talking from a CrossFit standpoint, the thing is they've created it for you. Mm -hmm. uh, what they did was they built a glossary of terms for the people that they've empowered to be ambassadors that don't necessarily work for CrossFit but just have done it and are addicted to it and want to talk about it. They gave them the ammunition yeah. to go talk to their friends Amrap about it, right? And like and and everything. And yeah, and they're smart Helen about it. And boxing yeah. and, like, and all this kind of stuff. And, and even the answers, it's almost like what we talk about, like you put an FAQ on a website. It's like – Half the FAQ is people that have asked questions, and half the FAQ is the questions you want you to want answer to, for people. Correct, yes. And I think that CrossFit did an incredible job in their growth at answering those tough questions that they knew their yellers would have to answer. Sure. And But you had $100 million of advertising behind it, right? Like mm -hmm. There's a ton of money behind making sure that education existed so that when someone confronts you – so when you ask, like, what should a micro gym do, to me, it's – hand-to-hand -hand combat it's does your person at the front desk does every single one of your coaches talk about your place in the same way yeah. do they use the same words to describe the workouts do they talk about the classes in the same way do they describe the facility in the same way how are they talking outside of the building when they're with their friends and you talk about it a lot in the consistency but it's like to me when organic reach goes away understand that people are referred to your instagram yes so not everyone's finding you organically on Instagram. Not everyone's yeah. finding you organically. Like I would argue that just as many people find Urban Movement through Google, yeah. typing in Urban Movement we, as they do for a gym. Yeah, and which is where Clever costs me because people type in movement, M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T, and I decided to be fucking clever with M-V-M-N-T, and that causes – like if you go into my search console for Google, which I'm sure you're obviously aware – the number one search for us is movement spelled out. Yeah. Not MVMNT. Right. Which is good because that tells me they're not the gym owners. The right. gym owners know I'm MVMNT. So that, that was – it used to be MVMNT and now that just switched over the last time I ran the result. you only hear it. Correct. So here's something that I think is really interesting. I, I think that as we're talking about people you know, referring them to your Instagram and, and things of that nature, what is – if a gym owner is about to sit down and really kind of rack their brain, if, if again, if the organic reach is going to go away, and let's say, let, let's say, for example, we're talking about creating something that is unique, something that is unique to them, but they don't know what that unique thing is. We talked about this on a previous podcast. List all the fucking expectations of your customers. Now you know what they expect. Try to do something that's unexpected kind of scenario. Have you run in, and you're about to go to Orange here today, which will be really interesting to hear about that on the next podcast, but like, what is something that you've run into, and it can be out of the fitness industry, that you thought was so unique and unexpected that it just kind of grabbed you for a second? Um, dentist. Here. Pearl. Yeah, I've been to Pearl. Yep. That's where I go to get my teeth one. You yeah. walk in. As soon as you, I walked into the place. First of all, you walk in, and it's all glass. Table. It's table. all, right? Like, yeah, yep. it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And the receptionist at the front desk looked up and said, Joe, you Joe, here for your appointment? Correct, yep. It was the first thing out of her mouth. And I'm like, 
Yeah. She goes, take a seat over there. Do you want a water? And I'm like, no, I'm okay. She's like, are you sure? Like yep. it wasn't. And I will say this time and time again, six different people can say the same thing and you get something completely different from sure. it. Like if it's authentic, it will resonate with people. Sure. And I get this question all the time in like campaigns where it's like, and you've done it. We're like, you send me something and I just change one word. Because sometimes it's just that one word yep. that subliminally says something completely different to somebody and you can't expect your customer to know why. Yeah. But when you go to a website, you have a feeling. Yeah. You don't it's not you don't know it's because the green is a little off or the fucking, you know, the the font size doesn't come clash. You don't wanna know. That's yeah. not your fucking job. But you go to a site and you feel a certain way. So I walked in, she asked my name, sat down, and then did the iPad, yep, fill out all yeah, your shit. Do whatever I needed to do. And then when I went in, you sit there, there's two TVs, one yep. in front of you and one above, above you, you. Yep. which makes so much sense because most of the time you're staring up at the ceiling. Yep. They offer you headphones, yep. which I think is revolutionary because it's not just a differentiator. Yeah. It's one level deeper. It satisfies two things. One is that, wow, this is a nice thing. I get to have headphones on while I'm getting work done. The other thing is everybody jokes about the dentist about the same thing. They say Noise. they put these fucking things in your mouth and then they ask you questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I have headphones on, they don't ask questions. So it actually satisfies the dentist having to have some conversation that they probably don't want to have anyway. To you, yeah. just like, and but it seems like a positive. So they just took a negative yeah. and made it a positive and a differentiator. Notice I didn't say anything about the work. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea if they're good. I just don't know. Yeah. But I will it's always so go subjective. there. It's, right. it's like the programming and the coaching. Yep. Because the majority of people that walk into your gym have never actually yeah. done a program. Nobody have never yeah. programmed for anybody. Correct. They and wouldn't no, know. Yeah. And honestly, you just go in there with the expectation they're going to do good work. Yeah. If you thought anything less. You oh, by the way, they're playing there. club music. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was just so my vibe. It felt like I, I was went at there. Home. I go for my teeth whitening. I go there and they have the TV in front. I didn't have to lean back for it. They gave me the headphones. I watched YouTube. It had Roku. Yeah. And I just sat there and I fucking watched YouTube for two hours on a, a teeth whitening scenario. And it was dope. And again, here's the deal every one of the chicks there. They were hot. Yeah. Bottom line is they were all – it's very similar to – they were all females. Yes. And the so entire place is you females. spent to the cut. The cut is a barbershop downtown yeah. right next to Hooters and uh, Tilt. Okay. Anyway, the cut is the same way. There's a bar in the middle. You can sit there at the bar, and then there's chairs all around, and there's barbershops, and they're all ran by chicks that look like they're going to work at the strip club later on that night. But they right. cut really good hair, and that's the cut. Um, Emerson and Joseph, another spot. Like These are places that when I go into them, I think, about what did they do that was so unique? They took a mundane experience, and they made it posh as fuck. Yeah. And and that is – and so here's the deal is is that a talk trigger? Is it remarkable, repeatable, reasonable, re you know, relatable? I, I don't know. All I know is that the cut's been around since I've been here. Emerson Joseph's been here for a very long time. And Pearl has been around for a lot of two locations. And right, and they're two killing it. Two locations within 0.5 miles of each Less other. It, yeah, They're in, two blocks. In, yeah, literally in fucking Uptown. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And what's funny about it is that like you always talk about remarkable, and it's so often that it has nothing to do with what you went there for. No, that's normally what's standing out. It's the unexpected, right? So like I go in, but but there is a way to also do it with the customer experience. So when I was up in New York and I was going to all these like streetwear places, we went to a place called Kith, and you walk in there, and as you're shopping for these ridiculously expensive items, and you like pick something up, somebody will come up to you in a non-aggressive way that works there, that's dressing like dressed like them and not like a you know like however they want to dress. And they're like, oh, did you like that? And like, yeah, they see you holding it, right? Like walking around the store holding it. And they're like, let me take that off your hands. Like, do you want to grab a dressing room? Like, you'll be in six. Yeah. And they just put it away for you. And or they'll go get you a different size. And like, 
they're not aggressive. They're not trying to sell you. They're trying to make it easier for you to buy. Yeah. And there's such a difference in that tone, right? Like when someone gets on the phone, it's like, are you interested in this? Like use car salesman. They're, they're probably like notorious for it. But I remember the first time I went to go buy a used car, the guy took me outside and he lit up a cigarette and he goes, are you really going to buy today or what? That's a sales tactic. He's using a tactic. Unfortunately, he picked the wrong fucking guy to say that sure. to. And I was like, not today yeah. and never, never from you. And I went back and I told the people, I called them back the next day and I was like, just to let you know, I will never fucking buy a car even within earshot of your place. And everyone that I know will know. And because it was such a negative experience. And it's like, because he was going for a sales tactic. Well, part of that sales tactic could be to just make my experience yeah. better. It doesn't have to be a hard sale sure. all the time. And I think that that's something that's well overlooked when people, and again, I know somehow we always loop back to automation, mm -hmm. but I do think that that's a huge implement of automation when someone says, hey, Joe, I want your software to run my gym. It's like, yeah, so, yeah. it's not what the fuck we do. Yeah. And I don't want, that's an, it's, it's never where it's going to be. Sure. I don't want to because that's a negative thing for your prospect and that's not who I'm, yep. like, that's who I care about. I want your gym to succeed, but understand it's going to take a little hand-to-hand -hand combat to do that. But more importantly, it's like, if you don't want to work, then don't fucking work. Sure. Don't own a business that they, that, that so means you don't want to have to work doing that, it. That we loop back to automation. So I've been bitching him forever about how I'm getting the guy, like the team to open the front door for people during, for class hours, right? Like make sure the door gets open and then when they come in. So one thing we've always been really good at, if we have a prospect coming on site for a consultation, everyone knows who they are. And it really, it only work it only works out like this, like very few percent of the time, but it's, they go to the front desk and they fill out the way like, Hey, where's the bathroom? They got to go to the bathroom, right? And they go down the hallway and then Deuce is walking up and he knows this girl he doesn't recognize and Deuce knows everyone's name. He goes, oh, hey, are you Sally? Yeah, Deuce, what's up? You're here for your consultation. God, awesome. I'm super excited. I'll be coaching your class later on. Yeah, no, no. The bathroom's right here. We'll see you out there. And so the front desk girl, knew, the person opening the door knew her name. The person at the front desk knew her name. And then Deuce knows her name. And whatever. And before she's taking a piss and she's like, holy fuck. My, yeah. Majority of the three people in my family barely know my name. You yeah. know, like, so like little things like that, but yet again, it's not dialed in well enough. We're still working on it. It's, you know, kind of thing, but it's one of those things that taking an, uh, taking an experience and doing slightly better with it. Like, cause it doesn't, how, it's not a huge, how much would it cost effort? to give a bottle of water away to everybody, a bottle of water with your logo on it, like to right. wrap it on there. Like it would like literally the cost, I bet you would cost a dozen, 24, 24 uh, bottles of water might cost two to $3. That's what it like to go somewhere by twenty a case twenty four two to three dollars. So to add your fucking custom logo on there might cost six to seven dollars. To hand those out to every prospect, not every maybe you hand out to every member. You give them a bottle of water if you want. Like, sure. is, is there something like that that means something? And I'm not saying that's again that four R talk trigger kind of criteria, but just things. To, if you wanted your experience to be posh. Right, if you wanted that kind of branding, right, you wanted to be known as the upscale, high-end Ritz-Carlton kind of thing. One of the things I think would be really interesting for gym owners to go and interview, if you can, a local hospitality hospitality expert. I would love to go and interview whoever the GM is over at the Ritz-Carlton yeah, and be like, how much money would I have to pay you to walk through my gym experience and then rip my asshole to shreds and tell me exactly what I'm doing fucked up? You know what you'll find out about hospitality? is that they do not have convenient jobs. No. They are so focused on the convenience of the people coming in yeah. that they do all kinds of crazy shit on the back end to make to that make work. To make it happen. So, and that's where I've like, and they're successful. And that's what people like, if you're not automating, you're losing. And it's just like, it's just not true. Sure. So perfect example, co-working spaces. Take WeWork, right? Globally recognized and industrious. Yeah. Industrious is run by hospitality people. Correct. And 
when a new member signs up, and I know this from like secondhand information, they have to be logged into like five or six different applications. So that person, when people bitch, is like, oh, I have to manually enter that. It's like they're manually entering a new member into five different systems to have a seamless experience for that person sure. to then go do so. And it's like, so who gets that? You should be wearing that. That yeah. should be on fucking you to make that. That's what Apple does. Apple says, listen, we're going to hide all this stuff that you don't really care about that Windows shows you, even though you have no, like, if I told you there was a DOS error in this, like, that doesn't mean anything to you. So we're just going to hide all that and say, this isn't working. Try something else, right? Like, we're just going to hide everything. And if it seems easy on the front end, it's probably super complex in the back, right? So it's like, if I come in here and I've gotten three emails and two text messages and I haven't actually talked to anybody yet and the person at the front assumes that I opened all those emails and actually read them through when really I just clicked on them and saw a picture and clicked off because a thousand things happened in my life. You don't know my name. It's What's the fucking yeah. point of it? You're not automating anything positive. Automate something when it's like a repetitive task that doesn't have impact on the actual sure. person themselves and that's what you find in hospitality. It's like to make that shit run takes a ton of effort. Yep. But they've realized the reward. The reward is that people feel good when 100%. they go there, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that WeWork is another example of a place that is not run like that, but just has the glamour behind yeah. it, right? They just have the name. They went for a, more of a land grab. They just tried to put their name out there as much. They got bigger funding sure. and more real estate. And I think that they're both positive, but I think you're just going to find a lot of – on the gym owners, it's going to be more hand-to-hand combat. It's going to be how do I – how am I able to create an experience that's – repeatable by me or by a small yeah. team, um, but taking all the onus off of the person that's considering coming to you. And I think one of the most important things that I heard recently that I know I've heard before, but it kind of stuck with me recently is that your decision to join the gym is an emotional one. Your decision to join the gym is not like rational, rational. If you because most of the fucking human decisions are not rational. Correct. And especially those of people who haven't been working out. If you move to San Jose, your first thing would be, I'm going to live somewhere near the gym. I probably want to be near in my work, right? It'd be involved in the rational. So yes, nobody makes emotional. The reason they joined the gym is they scrolling. They saw their ex-boyfriend just got engaged and that made an emotional decision. It just so happened your fucking ad hit them at the right time. It's sure. all timing 86,400 seconds in a day. Going back to your automation thing real quick. When I hear someone tell me how much they want automation, and I just want to do this through the Zoom call and just grab them, like, so what you're trying to tell me is you want to make more money by doing less work. Just, I want you to hear me say that out of my mouth one more time. You want to make more money by doing less work. I literally just want to just skull fuck you right now. Like literally think of what you're saying and then just pause for a second. I'm going to go take a piss. I'm going to be right back. And I want you to, to send me, let me know if you have the same question. Yes, there's plenty that should be automated. Yes, if it's a task that you do every single day, like change toilet paper. That should be on a list that someone at the front desk just fucking does every day. If it's literally sending this one message on the birthday, whatever. But still. You are in a small micro-based business. There's no reason if the Ritz-Carlton can call my wife on her birthday because we put her there on her birthday a year ago, but we didn't put her there this year, and tell her, hey, happy birthday. We hope you can join us again next year. Here's $50 off. Then fuck you. Every goddamn micro gym can do it. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, and I think the other flip side of it is when people try to automate processes that don't currently exist. Sure. So they're adopting both a process sure. and an automation they at the same time. They haven't tested it yet. Yeah. And I think like implementing a, someone else's process can be a good starting point. If you're like, I have no fucking idea what to yeah. do. So like, I'm going to listen to what Stu says and just try to implement that. Cool. What I don't love is when they say, listen, 
we've plotted this out. If someone comes in and they write this email, we're going to say these three words, and they have this beautiful decision tree. So like in coding, right, like we draw decision trees, and that's how – because everything's true, if, false, if, then, else, right? You have all these things, and these are all the different paths that people could take. We live in a world of exceptions. Yeah. And you're dealing with people that are making an emotional decision, except decision trees don't take emotion. That's why AI doesn't have emotion. Yeah. It only knows what you tell it and I what it can it, learn from patterns. Yeah. So it's like I, I think it's interesting when someone says, I want to automate a sales process. I'm like, cool, what's your current process? Let's see what we can do. And they're like, oh, no, yeah. I don't have one. Isn't that, doesn't that come with it? And I'm like, doesn't what come with it? What are you good at? Yeah. And I, I feel the same thing about marketing when they're like, well, Joe, look, tell me what you do with Stu. I'm like, well, Stu's different than you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he probably has some more money than I do, but like, I could do. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, because Stu can take pictures. Right. Stu can be on camera. Stu can. So he has these assets, and he knows where he falls. He doesn't know how to use exposure. Um, <laughs> no, he he has his own things yeah, that yeah. he can't do. Sure. And that's where I can help out. Yeah. So everybody's got to be looking they at just it. Think like, it's a recipe. It's not a, yeah. Correct. And it, that's just not how it works. It's, it's more of a blueberry muffin, blueberry muffin recipe, not a piece of software. It's a right? resource. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So you have to look at it like, here are my resources. This is what I'm good at. I decided to open my own business. I open my own business. I'm good at websites. Guess what? I don't need to hire a guy to do my website because yep. I fucking do websites. I would have to hire a guy to train people because sure. I don't know how to fucking train people. And guess what? We have the same chance at winning. Yeah. Me and you open up a, the gyms next door to each other. We have the same chance of yep. winning because I have a part of the business cover that you don't have. Yep. And we're, you're going to hire out and I'm going to hire out. I would just say that because I'm not as passionate about it as the coaching aspect. And that's the core competency. You should always be passionate about the core competency of your business because on those days it gets really hard. You're going to yeah. be like, fuck yeah, it. I don't want to do this anymore. Man. It's funny. I think about it. And we'll end on this because I got to take a piss. Um, we'll end on this. Now we've been when, when I think of automation – I think of the reason the fact that Nike – or okay, Back to the Future Part 2 came out however many years ago with Marty McFly and the self-lacing Nikes. Nike just released self-lacing shoes a year ago, and they're not even public-consuming purchase. Like you, Not anyone can buy you them. Can. You can. Anyone can buy you, them right well, now? Well, you can't just buy it. You Correct. have to like go to the store. You have to have go to the special It's the most store, expensive shoe but you can why? buy right now. I think it's like $30,000. And, and why? I think Nike realizes how important – Lacing up a pair of sneaks feels to somebody. You know, some shoes they lace up and it's sloppy and it doesn't feel good. It's just like it's a <laughs> shitty experience. You right. got to triple knot them, whatever. And then some of the ones that like, man, these are fucking never gonna come undone. I, I, when I think of like automation, I think of it like those Nikes. Like, there's a reason that the one of the largest, most powerful companies in the world doesn't have. If they wanted to, they could have self-lacing sneaks on everybody. It's not that the technology isn't available. I think they understand that there is an experience in the craft of what they do that having laces that just feel tight the first time you do it is good, is part of the experience. Yeah. And for a micro gym, you doing those little things, adding that extra personalized line here, that extra little hey whatever, and putting some experience to it and some personality to it with your brand behind it is like lacing up the sneaks. Sure. Could Joe automate everything for you? He probably could. You'd go the fuck out of business. Yeah. For 100, sure. 100,000%. Just like Nike go out and do it, and now guess what? All the shoes just fucking, they all just fit the same. They all lace up the same. There's no fucking differentiation there. I think lacing up sneaks is the same way of putting some fucking level of personalization into your business. And yeah, that's. But it's also why people yeah. are coming to the gym. 100%. The technology exists for you to stand in your living room and have a thing pointed at, a camera pointed yeah. at you that tells you exactly uh -huh. what you're doing. Total and mirror and, and all that. And there's Peloton. Not, I think a way more people have garages mm -hmm. than have gym memberships. 
So I feel like most people should That's just be doing it line. at your fucking home. But they're line. not. They're not yeah. doing that because they want to be here. So give them the reason to be here. That's fucking Why right. did 160 Nobody girls Nobody with a gym yoga? membership doesn't have a garage. Minus maybe New York City. Yeah. And, and these, these, yeah, these yeah. apartment buildings. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. even then, yeah, you I don't fuck it. You yeah, have yeah. room. Yeah, yeah. You can do fitness in a 10 by 10. Yeah. There's a space That's for you to do it. And I just feel like there's a reason that people come here. They want to interact. They want to consume. They want to be a part of something. And that's, that's your job. Your job is to recognize an emotional decision and be there for them. Yeah. And how do you personalize that? You fucking talk to them. You get to know them from the moment they sign up and recognize that I signed up to, well, to CrossFit South End. And the first conversation we ever had was, you're like, why do you want to do fit? I was yeah. like, I want to meet fucking girls, man. Yeah. And you're like, cool, this is like 3D Tinder. Yeah. And in some ways, it was, it was like, I got to meet people. You knew that I want to be ingratiated into the community. And if I came in and said, I just want to lose five yeah. pounds, you probably wouldn't have put me in the same thing, right? Sure. And you would have had a different approach to me. That level of personalization yeah. has to exist. It has to. Fucking A. All right, I'm going to piss. I'm Stu. That's Joe. We'll talk to you guys next time. All right, guys. Peace.